Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. The days are getting shorter. Everything smells like artificial pumpkin. Your golf ball is hiding under leaves. And greens are getting punched. Nick and Joe joined by a very special guest, Don Merkin on the grounds crew at Meriwether Golf Club a wonderful 27-hole facility in Hillsboro, just outside of Portland. Don, thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun, Nick. I'm excited to learn. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I, I know we're going to ask we're going to ask Don why they punch greens, but Joe, I think I thought it'd be fun, okay, to ask you first, like be- before he gives the answer, <laughs> like you, the golfer who shows up twice a year to punched greens, like <laughs> why why do that? Why do you think why do you think they do it? The health of the greens. I think it has something to do with the health of the greens. Uh, I don't really know beyond that. People who do this professionally know more than I do. I trust it, and I leave it at that. What do you know, okay. Nick? Um, well, on the surface, to to find out who the assholes are, um, <laughs> but but really, I, I know there's something called thatch that's important to to take care of. Um, and and listen to you, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, like that, that's a big word for me. Um, and I didn't just do this research because I was preparing for this specific question. I, I I seriously already knew this. Um, but basically the ground, the more you mow it, you're constantly on it and it's, it's compacting and you're just like, it's like you have some Play-Doh and you're just compacting it more and more and you need to like, you know, let it breathe a little bit. All right, Don. That's my interpretation. Well, those are good. Those are good answers. And that's like, you know, it's partially the answer is correct by both of you. So yeah, you have everybody walking on the whole, on the green all day. We're rolling it. We're cut, you know, when we cut it with a mower, that weighs a certain amount. When we roll the greens, all of that, right? It builds up and it compacts it down. Most of the greens are, you know, not all dirt. There's some sand in there that allows it to level out and create the flat surfaces. So, like, you punch it to release the air and let it be soft. And basically, you fill, when we punch it, we fill it with sand and it allows the grain to regrow and basically breathe. You're just making it breathe. So if you didn't do that, 
like what would happen to the green? Like, let's say, for instance, like this fall, you guys didn't punch out at Merriweather. What would be the consequence of that come next spring? Well, there's two different types of punching, by the way. There's like solid tines and then there's pulling cores. So when you do solid tines, you're just pushing a depression and you fill that with sand. It It is a way of aerating the green, but you're not tip, technically aerating it because you're just creating a divot, right? And then the, when you pull the cores, that's where you uh, really let, the, let it breathe. So um, uh, I'm sorry. What did you, I'm sorry. No. It's all good. I was just asking. What happened if you didn't do it? Yeah, like if, if you, oh, you sorry, didn't yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, no, it, it, it would just, it would just, it would eventually just become so compacted. It would be like no balls would stick, nothing would grab. It would, it would just. You'd have to play everything like a bump and run. You could never like land it on the green. It would never hold unless you got absolutely lucky. I mean, it would. Yeah, it's just, it's maintenance. Like you have to do it. So for like at Merriweather in the, when we punch in the spring this last time, we solid timed the short course and we pulled cores on the main course. So the executive course, when I say the short course is, you know, so this year we have to pull cores in the fall. Like we can't do that twice or, or long-term health of the green will be damaged. So, so I want to know this, Don. Can you please explain to all the golfing degenerates out there the correct way to fix a ball mark on a green? Well, if you're fortunate enough to hit a ball to the green where you make it, where you make a ball mark, <laughs> the appropriate uh, etiquette is to uh, push down and force the the earth inward versus pulling up from the bottom because you tear the roots. So you want to push it together, create like a volcano or a little mound, and then top it down. Um, and it would be beneficial to not only do yours, but somebody else's that may have forgot to, because the next time you play that green, you would hate to be, have that ball mark be in your line. So do everybody a service and help out. You know, we're all playing out there together. Um, you know, fill your divots, replace your divots. I'm, I'm proud to say I have fixed at least three times more ball marks that I've made. And it's only because I, I hit two greens around and, uh, wow. you know, I got, I got to do something with that, with that tool the other 16 times. Oh, I get it. I get a lot of compliments on my chipping and they're like, how are you good at chipping? I was like, yeah. well, I never hit greens. I just, you know, I just constantly just chip. It, it, exactly. I'm always on here bragging about how I never three putt. But what I'm not telling you is that I'm, I'm, it's not too hard to chip to two putt range, which is what I'm doing 95% of the time. For me, it's all about having a good time. If you're in a tournament, you're keeping score. If you're trying to have a handicap in a men's league, if you're that kind of player, it's all it's all relative. For me, it's getting out there and having a good time, enjoying the the beauty of the different courses, and looking at it from a groundskeeper's perspective, like seeing how they how they handle their greens or their approaches or their tee boxes, and you know how they're dealing with water sitting in certain areas. Just how how different people approach different things, you know, like wildwoods played on a on that huge hill how they deal with water and how they you know how they move water versus what we deal with at merriweather where it's farmland and we kind of sit in a low there so we're dealing with it in a different way and so all that stuff's interesting to me when i'm playing golf i'm not even like really paying attention to golf i'm looking at the course it's kind of a bummer sometimes <laughs> yeah I, I i totally get that so so 
what is a typical day on the job like? I mean, do you just show up? Is it like, okay, today's Thursday? It's, you know, I'm I'm mowing the back nine greens or is it what what is a typical day on the job like? Well, it, it, during different seasons, like right now, um, I know on Mondays I'll be mowing approaches and callers. Um, on Tuesday, I'll be doing uh, tee boxes. Wednesdays, um, greens. And then Thursday, maybe fairways if I need to fill in somewhere. So there's like, for me, it depends. I kind of a utility guy out there. I kind of do a little bit of everything, or I can. Um, maybe I'm cutting cups, maybe I'm rolling, you know, maybe there's a problem somewhere where you got to move a carcass of an animal that got snatched up by wildlife out there or whatever. I mean, in the, in the winter, I'm breaking up beaver dams so we don't have flooding on the ninth hole. I mean, there's so many different things. We got nutria problem. Um, it's just endless. So when I come in, there's a board, right? And everybody's name's up there. And then our super will have your job for the day. And so you do that job. And if you finish that job before the day's over, then you go figure out what your next thing to do is. Or sometimes there's a list of other like miscellaneous things that need to get done. Or, you know, go set a gopher trap or whatever needs to be done. You know, <laughs> this is crazy. Is, is it, is it super early in the morning? Like does, does your, are you driving to work at like 4am or is it, is it somewhat more normal than that? I, I, I usually I like to put my golf at like at the sunrise, and I always see the guys out there cutting like you know zigzagging from green to green, and I'm like you know you got, you got to have a lot of respect for that. Uh, yeah, we arrive. Our day starts at five. Uh, when it gets into the winter, we will go maybe six. So it's like for me, I'm five to one, six to two, kind of depends. Yeah. Um, in the summertime, we were short on staff, so some of us would come in. We don't our our irrigation and water is pretty. Uh, antiquated so we have to go uh, manually turn things on it's not on like a timer so in the summer some of us were working long hours like day shift to mow and then stay in the evening and be watering just so that we could keep the fairways and the greens green and uh yeah you know it it's it's fun to get there early you get stuff done you get like today i got off and then i played nine holes because i was there and you know, yep. it was one in the afternoon and you were like, let's do it. Yeah, I was like, let's, let's get it. And, uh, um, you know, you got to test your product. You got to see, got to see how things are rolling out there. And what I, I love changed. that because I, I feel like a lot of greenskeepers have reputation for not being golfers. And I think it's good to really get out there and like you said, test your product and know what everybody who's making the rounds at your course is actually experiencing. Yeah, so we have well, that's a good point. We have seven guys on the st- on our maintenance crew. I'm the only guy that plays like routinely. <laughs> wow, our super like he like is just over it. Our, our assistant is like he's burnt on the game. Like, and then I got to tell you, out there, you got people hitting balls at you at times. Like people that are unaware. You know, I I'm mowing. I'll tell you, give you an example. I'm mowing. Uh, a fairway on the short course and it's oh shoot i'm sorry about that oh it's it's okay. all good um my uh it's the third hole so i'm i'm low in the fairway i'm headed back towards the tee box i've got probably 60 yards from myself to the tee box and i've got about 30 yards from myself to the end of the fairway and when i get to the end of the fairway i'm going to pick up the reels and i'm going to get out of the way and let the person that's on the tee box hit their shot right 
get out of the way, let them hit, and then mow the next thing I can if they're not in the way. Well, this guy just decides to let one go and fire. You know, I don't know if people think that every vehicle on the uh, course is like uh, the range uh, picker, like it's got a cage, and they don't. Not everything has a cage. So, anyway, this guy rip, lets one rip. It flies right over my head. And I drive up, I throttle down because it looks like you're yelling at somebody when you're yelling over a mo- like a motor. So mm-hmm. I turn it off and I just ask the guy, I was like, so like, what was your plan had you hit me? <laughs> like, what would you have done? And he goes, well, I wasn't aiming at you. <laughs> and yeah, and I felt like, well, that's, I mean, you're confident in yourself. I appreciate that. But you are on the short course and you're playing in denim jeans. So I'm terrified. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm terrified. So just a little advice for anybody out there. If maintenance is on your, on your hole, they see you, they're going to let you get out of the way. Right. And, uh, yeah. Um, we'll let you hit, just let us get out of the way. Cause <laughs> I mean, in the event you hit one of us, what are you going to do? Cause you like yeah. to play, er- you're going to play early and sometimes you don't know where we're at. Cause like for, at our course, some people get there before our clubhouse gets there, and they'll play and then pay as they leave, right? Well, we don't know people are on the course because we think the first tee time's at like 6.30 or whatever, and all of a sudden I got balls whizzing at me, and you know. It's... <laughs> so that stuff will jade some of these maintenance people long term. I bet. Like, of course. Like, but me, I love the game too much, and I hit a lot of bad shots too. So it's like I, I get it; it happens. But, but don't it, hit him, it's so don't hit him right at us. Yeah. It's so funny you say that, Don, because you know playing at Glendevere, I, I often play in the morning, and I feel like that maintenance crew is so dialed in that they will actually turn their equipment off when people are putting or hitting, so the noise isn't happening while someone is hitting. And I'm always so in awe of someone who's probably been out there for three hours already worried about some jackass, you know, trying to save double bogey, they're being that considerate. So I can't imagine someone having the mindset of like, ah, I'm just going to blast one over Donnie. It's no big deal here. Well, hats off to that crew because I will throttle up in your backswing if you've been hitting balls at me. <laughs> and then you're, you know what I'm saying? Like as soon as you're at the top of your swing, throttle goes high as possible just to get you thrown off if you've been hitting balls at me. Or the cut, like here's another one. Be careful what you say in the clubhouse about like, oh, the greens are too fast or the cups were real easy or hard or whatever, because sometimes the maintenance guys are in the bar having a drink, too. And you might get (laughs) you might get the stint meter rolling a little higher that week or the cups might be, you know, tournament pins (laughs) on a Tuesday. (laughs) Um, I think I'm glad you brought that up a few minutes ago about etiquette for when you're playing and there's a, there's somebody mowing your hole because you're used to like being talk off etiquette when you're playing through or when there's, you know, somebody here or there, but you can't really communicate with somebody who's mowing like 150 yards away. So it's good to have that perspective of, okay, you see them just wait, they're going to get out of the way. I'm always with the mindset that they're doing me a favor and I'm going to yield to them because like I said, it's usually like 6.15 in the morning. I'm okay to wait for a couple minutes. Um, but it's hard to really communicate. Like, Do they think I'm about to hit into them? 
do they think I'm impatient? Like, it's just a very like odd dance you have to do because I feel like there's not a really established etiquette around that. So I'm glad that you hammered that out for us. You know, that, 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 you know, that is a good thing. Maybe we could get in some universal like signaling, like for myself, I know a lot of the guys that are there early, the uh, men's club guys, I, I kind of know how far they're going to hit it, where their misses are. Cause I see them all the time. And some of them I'll wave on and they, I know the guy's not going to hit me from where he's at. So I'll just wave him on, just hit, you know, or I'll flash my lights cause our mowers all have lights and stuff. So a little flash, but you know, that could all be interpreted differently. Like that, some person might think that means hit it. Some person may think it means don't hit it. So right. it, it would be nice to come with some sort of like universal deal. Well, I think we've got a good basis. Joe's, Joe's, uh, just replugging in something, who knows? But we're going to keep this going. It. I think I, I think we have it. a good basis for this etiquette, and uh, maybe <laughs> in the off season we can hammer it out. Um, all right, Joe, Joe had a good question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna relay it. What is what is the number one thing golfers can do to piss you guys off? Or, or maybe I should phrase it a different way. What's the, what's the number one thing to avoid <laughs> to, to not piss off the greenskeepers? Well, I think we touched on it early, and it, it's something as simple as the statement of, like, le- leaving a place better than you found it, right? Mm-hmm. So is there 30 divots on a par three? Did you make them all? No, but if, you, if you're going to fill yours, you've got a big scoop there fill a couple more, you know, if you do a little bit more than what you're like supposed to do, it's going to help out. You know, Mm -hmm. I think for it's the blatant disregard. Like if you're, if you're a good golfer and you take it like a good divot, like most people put it back, but some people don't or don't even put, you know, use the sand and it's the stuff. I think the little things that really build up with us, um, things happen, mm-hmm. you know, accidents happen. If you're aggressive, like blatantly, like, you know, stabbing, you're like swinging your club into the ground and damaging a green. I mean, I, we have, we have divots on greens that I don't, I don't understand. Um, I saw a guy pull his tee shot to the collar of seven at our course from five to seven. He's just playing with his buddies. And then he took a full wedge shot from the collar that was about six inches from the actual green and took a, took a divot that was about, Oh, I don't know, eight inches, 10 inches long and like three to four inches deep just to hit his ball back into a fairway. That's a par five. And I was like, what? I mean, you don't, you, you can just move it off. It's, you know, this isn't the USGA. Like, come on dog. You're, you're at Merriweather. Not that our course is trash, but like, like, come on, like use yeah. some, use some decorum out there. Like it's a gentleman's sport, right? It's, it's about etiquette, even though you'll catch me in a tank top shotgun and beers and shit, but, oh, excuse me. But the, uh, the deal is like, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Well, but, but you don't see me like, you know, taking a full on like hack out of the green. Like I'm still right. going to play with etiquette and replace and take care of it. But like, you know. At that point, it's just common sense. So I guess uh, I gave you a really long-winded answer, but the, the short of it is, is just try to make the place better than the way you found it. 
Yeah. You know, I think every golfer could do that. You know, I mean, if you, if you see your buddy throw his, his can, his, his beer can to the receptacle and it doesn't get in, is that okay? You know, like, are you going to leave your shopping cart next to your car? Are you going to actually put it back in the thing at the grocery store? I think that's a real real barometer of like test of people for me. Like if you don't, can't just walk that extra eight steps to put it away. Like, all right. I know where you stand. Enough said. (laughs) Whenever there's a tricky pin placement, someone in the group always makes the joke about the superintendent getting in a fight with their wife or, you know, oh, they had to sleep on the couch last night. Are whole placements ever based on mood? Well, it's course to course and cup cutter to cup cutter. But uh, I personally have been in some foul moods for a variety of reasons. My wife is a saint. Get that out there right now. (laughs) However, you might find one on a (laughs) real tight or on a slope. So it it did happen to me when I had the men's club guys were pissed. They were hitting balls into me, and I had had it. And so I cut – if you played Merriweather on five, the slope of the green is, like, pretty severe. And there's an upper deck and a lower deck and and a pretty severe transition in between. And I figured I'd put the cup kind of right in the middle of the transition, in the middle (laughs) of the green. So they had a rough day, and then the the GM came out to talk. He was like, how bad of a mood were you in? I was like, well – pretty bad mood and he goes well i went out there and rolled four out of ten in so it's not that bad and i was like like you're a g i was like this guy's great yeah that that's a that's a good take from from the gm i mean if it's if it's happening once you know it's all good if it's happening like every other week you know maybe it's a different conversation but that's that's the right approach i love that yeah um staying on the greens i never realized how much golfers like were obsessed with greens until we get a greenskeeper on here, and every question is just about one of the five areas of the golf course. Um, green speed. Who who dictates it? Do you have a target speed? Do you just let the elements and the weather kind of shake out the way they do? And do you ever think about, like, pace of play when you're manipulating the green speed and how those two things kind of impact each other, if at all? Yes. Um, gr- to start off. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. Gr- Green speed is generally determined by the super, maybe con- coordinated with the head pro based off of a tournament, the pay- whoever, you know, whatever is going on. And, and it varies course to course, you know, public, private, whatever, right? Um, how you control that is with the amount of rolling and the amount of water. So you can uh, speed them up by not watering them. As you know, later in the day, greens roll faster. Right. And in, if you want to really slow them down, you can saturate them uh, pretty good. Those are the main ways to do it that I'm aware of. Um, there's probably some secret trip tick, uh, tips and tricks that I'm not privy to. But um, for the most part, it's just rolling and, um, you know, uh, water. Like, yeah. What, what do you guys shoot for? Do, do you stimp? Do you measure at Merriweather? Or do you just kind of play by feel? At Merriweather, we just, you know, we want it to be playable. And, and to address the other part of that in terms of like pace of play, how that we, we kind of control pace of play at our course with uh, tee, 
marker placement. Nice. So we move the blues back as far as we can. The whites and everything else are, are much closer than probably they would typically be based off our clientele. You know, we want people to get around, you know, and people will say, Oh, the red tees are the women's tees, but we know they're just the forward tees and tee color is really just predicated off how far you drive the ball. Right. So you see people out, I see people out on our course and when I'm out playing other courses, that are playing from the wrong tees just based off how far they hit the drive or they carry their irons off the tee. Um, you know, and that would be a, you know, people, it's like a pride issue. I think, uh, people want to, I'm playing from the tips or, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, old, old, only old men play from the whites and old, <laughs> Oh, you're going to play up there where the girls play and like all this silly nonsense. Like the reality of it is, is, Hey man, if I can go low, I'm going to play from where I can go low from, or if I want to challenge myself or, move up and back throughout the throughout your round you know yeah. like maybe you want to play the par three from a different distance maybe you want to play the par five from way farther back and challenge yourself you know i mean it's uh i don't think i don't think people should be so tied up in those like traditions of playing from here or there on speed like you should just whatever gets you through quicker like if you know well, you're having a if you're having a bad day move up and we and we we talked about that a few months ago where I read that Bryson, when he was like 13 or 14, would only play the red tees because he wanted to get used to the idea of making a lot of birdies and getting comfortable going low and making 12 birdies around. And it's like, really, pal, you think if you play the red tees, you're going to make 12 birdies around? I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, but but it's a mindset, right? You know, like if, if you're back there and you're like, oh, God, I'm probably going to double this hole right out the gate. You know, I mean, that's not fun. No. So, but I mean, you got to make shots. Like, then you just, you're in a different position. Like, okay, now you're, let's say you hit driver from the forward tees and now you've got 60 in where you're normally hitting like 140 or, you know, something like that. It's like, well, what do you do now? You got to, you got to hit a shot that you're not used to hitting or, you know, it's, it's a fun game. You're constantly challenging yourself. That's the thing. You still got to hit the shots at the end of the day. Like just because a 60 yard shot is easier it's still just as easy to scold that thing over the green or, you know, whatever, whatever your miss may be on that particular day. I I, I think that in the next like five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot more mixed tees where like the scorecard is rated for like a blue white combo or for a, you know what I mean? I think that like the USGA, I think that's on their radar that like, that's one really good way to give golfers variety. Cause like if you just play the same course and the same tees that does get boring. Um, so it allows you to mix it up without like tipping it out when you shouldn't be. Right. I agree with that. And I think if you want, if the goal is to get more people playing the game that are traditional non-golfers, make it fun. Don't put them into this, you know, stuffy in a box. This is what golf is. Like let people be what they are, you know, to an extent, like you don't want to go to one of like a high end course and be that guy you want to. And, and I think, like at my course, I wish they would ask like people not to demean them, but like, how much golf have you played? Maybe you should start on the executive course versus you're going out to the 18 and you tee it up from a color. You don't even know what it means. You know what I'm saying? And that happens because people are new to the game and they got to start somewhere. But, you know, I think it's hard. I think it's, 
the traditions of golf make it hard for people to want to ask questions that would be like just basic, like, Hey, where should I start from? You know, they just kind of like go with the herd. Like well, it's that pride thing. It, it's it's yeah. like what you're talking about. It's the pride thing. It's like, well, I'm out here. Everyone else is teeing up from here. So I'm going to do it. And then they make a nine yeah. on the first hole and it takes five and a half hours. That's no fun. When I first started work, I started working at Redtail a long time ago. And, uh, I, I went out with a bunch of guys, the pros and stuff and all these guys. And I had no business. I had no, I mean, I'm, I'm in the batting. I'm at the T like it's a bat. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm playing with these guys. They're playing from T box that doesn't exist. It's like the tip, the tips of the tips. Like I don't even know. Wow. And and I'm like what you're saying. I just tee it up with them because I. Yeah. Well, what are you what are you gonna do though? You're gonna walk like 150 yards ahead to tee it up. Like, but you don't know the. It's, I don't know. It's it's tough. But um, I got a question for you too. Yes. Yeah. What is what is it that um, that you see around a golf course that um, you just could never like figure out? Well, why do they do that? Why is why are they doing this? Why is that positioned this way? Why is that cut this way? Why yeah. does this course have a circular tee box versus a trapezoid or whatever? You know, I can only remember one time where I was on a golf course and like critical of the maintenance crew, the, the way the course was set up. Um, I normally am like, I'll take whatever course I get. And I'm just more worried about my own, you know, get my club on the ball is the primary concern there. But I remember one day I was playing this course, <clears throat> a golf a course is on golf now. So everybody within like a 50 mile radius is playing it Saturday or Sunday peak, peak time. And the pins were like, every putt was like, if you miss your putt, it's going to roll off the green or like <clears throat> on just severe slopes and just, the greens were, were way too fast for <clears throat> for a public course that, you know, a million people are playing. And it was like a five-plus-hour round because everybody is, like, putting off the green and three-putting and, like, lining up all these putts. And I'm like, this is for, for a public, like, $40 or $35 hot deal. Like, you should be a com- – like, that was the one time I was like, what the hell is going on here? <clears throat> I don't know if, if that was just random, if it was intentional, if, if I was just having a bad day with the flat stick or what, but – um, that was the one time I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, I know like, yeah, it, we at Merriweather try to make the pins much easier on the weekend mm-hmm. and tougher oh. during the weekdays because that will help with pace of play. You know, you mm-hmm. have the weekend warriors that come out. If you're like an avid golfer, you're playing on a Tuesday evening or right after work, like mm-hmm. you're going to be able to get around. More so than a guy that comes out on, you know, one Sunday a weekend or whatever, or a month, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. So the weekend is for the, well, the weekend warriors and the weekdays are for the executives who are two handicaps. Is that, is that kind of the mindset? Well, I mean, at our course, that's our clientele. Like, um, we, we have a high, a higher, more people are golfing, you know, um, on the weekend there than on the weekdays and the handicaps go up quite a bit on the weekend at our course. So yeah, we try to make the pins a little easier on the weekend and it, that helps with pace of play. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man, to, to answer your question, Don, um, I think when I was younger, I would get frustrated with some of the condition of golf course, but the more that I look to the past and I watch like Augusta in the sixties and look at those conditions of those greens compared to what they are now. Like I've just sort of adopted the mindset that 
if I'm out there with three buddies, we're all playing the same golf course. We all have to have the same things that we're dealing with. And I heard a quote like a couple months ago uh, from Bruce Edwards, who was Tom Watson's caddy. And he said that, I think I said on this pod a couple of weeks ago, but he said that the reason why Greg Norman only won two majors was because Greg Norman would hit a perfect shot. It would land in a divot and he would be like, God damn it. I can't believe how unlucky I am. And Tom Watson, who I think won seven majors would hit a perfect tee shot. It would land in a divot and he would turn to Bruce Edwards and say, watch how close I'm going to hit this motherfucker. And I just think that mindset is like, you know what? You got to roll with what you have and make the best of it and look at each shot as a unique challenge. Even if it's the condition of the course or bad luck, you got to get past that and just play the next shot. I think that's very, that's very like uh, from like a football standpoint, because I, I used to coach football back in the day. It's like, like a quarterback uh, corners mindset. Like you just forget about it. It's so on to the next play, right? Like it's going to happen. Yeah, you can't take that bad shot with you to the next play. So, um, yeah, um, that's cool. I like that. I like that perspective. You know, I think you have a background in media and broadcasting and all that, right, Joe? Yep. So, you know, I went to this, uh, greenskeeper, like, uh, seminar type of thing, right? Is out at uh, Twelton Country Club and this guy was talking about all the filters that they do use when they're filming golf. So mm. the green the the fairways and the greens aren't actually as green as they're being portrayed. So some of that stuff that you that you're referring to is an illusion. Yeah, well it's so interesting because whenever they 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 televise golf like at dusk the broadcasters always make such a big stink about, oh, it is so much darker than it looks like at home right now. And there's this famous, I think Tiger won at Firestone by like 15 shots or something. And he hit a shot in complete pitch black to like four feet. And even then it looked really dark, but they always make such a big stink about the fact that, yeah, when they're playing at dusk, all these filters and the cameras are making it appear a lot brighter than it actually is. So that's, that's an interesting point with the condition of the course. I never really thought about it that way. Nick and I always do our conspiracy thing around the masters about how, you know, they kill all the wildlife, the bird sounds are all pumped in and it's, it's just a big illusion basically. Um, I, well, I think part of that might be, you know, an additive kind of like they're pumping in like crowd noise or something. Sure. But, um, um, Don, I want to ask you because I've, I've, I've forgotten up until this point, How'd you get into this life? Because I went to Wazoo. They had like an official turf management program out there. Like there was this really cool kid who was like five years older than us. He was in the master's turf management program. And everyone out there was trying to like be a superintendent. So is is that like the only path to it? Or can you just be a kid who starts working at a golf course and kind of work your way up the food chain? Um, You can start as like a cart kid and work your way out into maintenance and you know, um, if you have a background in landscaping, that helps or any kind of like labor, you know. Um, but in terms of climbing the ladder, you need to have certain knowledge and agronomy uh, of soils. And and uh, at OSU, they have a great program. It's the best, one of the best pro, And they have a whole area where they grow in different conditions and they teach you on they know exactly what grows well here in the Northwest. And so that is an invaluable knowledge. If you're going to try to be a super or assistant anywhere in the Northwest. Um, but you also need to know like pesticides and have certifications to spray stuff. And like, 
you can be supervised by spraying, but you, you know, you can't go out and spray stuff if you're not certified. So, you know, it might be a growth regulator. It might be to kill bugs or, you know, some of the greens get a dye and, you know, just to keep things looking right, but it's a chemical, but it's also, you know, it's, there's a lot to it. So yeah, you need to know that stuff. Um, if you want to advance to, uh, assistant supers and superintendents, I don't think many places would let you do that unless it was like a homegrown operation. Um, and you could learn that information some other way, but you're going to need to know that agronomy stuff for sure. Yeah. Nick, do you have anything else before we get to the rapid fire? No, I think it's time to, to bring on the turn 10. Don, you've been so generous with your time. It is now time for turn 10. It's brought to you by Piper Golf, not only outstanding golf balls, visors, and bucket hats. The promo code at checkout is turn 10 for 10% off. Don, we're going to try to do a little rapid fire with you. 10 questions. If you have a little context around your answer, Feel free. Are you ready? Certainly. Uh, I didn't answer how I got into uh, the thing, but I don't care. Whatever. No, I care. Let's put that on hold. I want to hear it. I'm actually curious. So it started with, uh, you know, Calamari Golf. Yeah. Tell us about Calamari Golf. Tell tell the audience about Calamari Golf. So, so yeah, Calamari Golf, uh, it's my buddies that started this tea company. And like I, I had mentioned, I had, I had won the second tournament and some things changed. I had been working in special education and coaching football and uh, track and field and was a whole different, different version of me. And then uh, that changed, things changed. And um, I had an opportunity to work at the golf course. I was doing so much with Calamari Golf and um, a friend of mine that runs Scout Golf, uh, which is a youth uh, golf camp uh training thing and uh got into golf and i was like you know what it's free if i just work there so uh that's how that happened and then i've been doing it i love it i i I used to work with my hands quite a bit so being outside being around something you love getting off work and being at golf and not have to go anywhere i mean yeah and uh, it really, it really works with my schedule. I have a great wife. I have great kids. Uh, they, they allow my, they allow me to do the golf thing. So how long have you been doing it, Don? Uh, about four and a half, five years, something like that. Wow. That's awesome. Not yeah. long, not long, but I love it. It's a labor of love. I love it. It, it makes me appreciate my actual golf game a little more uh, and seeing other people get better when I'm out there is great. So. I love it. Well, I also love the opportunity to introduce our sponsor twice. It is now time for Turn 10, brought to you by Piper Golf. Again, I can't tell you how many visors I'm going to be wearing starting in 2023. The year of the visor for Joe, the year of the bucket hat for Nick. We're really approaching our late 30s with style. Don, before we get into the official questions, yes, please. I want a combo bucket visor hat. (laughs) (laughs) bucket all the way around no top yeah see and i i'm I'm thin up top and i'm a big advocate for visors if you have no hair like what's the point like let's just let that sun happen you know that's right let it flow bucket bucket uh visor would be sick like an extended brim 
you know? Well, we'll contact our friends at Piper and see if we can get a prototype sent over That's to uh, Don Merkin. Yeah, Merkin. I know who's not going to be a fan of that. <laughs> Your wife. It would be, it would be <laughs> no, it would be sick though. Cause like we wear the headgear out there, like our, our earmuffs and everything. And it's like, <laughs> I can't wear a traditional like greenskeeper hat because it's too floppy. So maybe like half visor up front, half bucket yeah. in the Oh, Some dude, rigidity to the front. I like it. You're welcome, Piper. <laughs> that one's for free. Yeah. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Qu- question number one done. Jack or Arnold? Jack. Number two. Hole in one or lowest round ever? Lowest round ever. Okay. All right. This is good. This this is going to be a tough. That's a, that, that's a lot of golf. Like hole in one is one shot. They'd hold all. I mean, that's that's putting it together all day. You know. I agree. Yeah, that's sixty four really good shots. Yeah, totally. <laughs> four. Yeah, on it. <laughs> and Jack, and when you said there. when you said Jack, you meant Jack Herrera, right? That's I'm a big <laughs> fucking Jack Herrera yeah. guy. Yeah, forget that, Nicholas. Uh, question yeah, number. Right. <laughs> question number three. What's your favorite course in the Portland area, Don? Man, well, ooh. we're going to take Meriwether out of the equation. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, you yeah. got you to exclude Meriwether. Well, it isn't my favorite course. Uh, I work there. I love it, but it's yeah. not my favorite course. In terms of ch- – oh, man. Um, I've, had, I've had some great experiences at the reserve with my daughter. So, the awesome. reserve. Great answer. Okay, number four. What's your least favorite course in the Portland area? Does Frontier count? That's in Canby. <laughs> yeah, we'll count Canby. Sure. Front Frontier is atrocious. It's rough. I, I, w- I was out there one time. I'm not going to return anytime soon. I made a mistake. I booked it on Golf Now. I had no idea what I was doing. I was new to golf. I was yeah. new to golf. I roll out. I, got, I get out of the car. I got my bag. I got my driver. I'm, I'm just ready to go. I got the push card. I'm dialed. Dialed. Too bad all I needed was a pitching wedge and a putter, you know, like. Well, Stay away from Frontier. Yeah, we'll count the Tri-County area for sure. Okay, Not- but Port- Portland, ooh. Yeah, Portland oh. proper. In the Portland Rota. <sighs> I love calling it the Rota like it's St. Andrews and Carnegie. This, 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 this is going to be kind of maybe the hot take. I had a very terrible experience, which probably contributed to my appreciation for this course. Eastmoreland. Oh, out. It, it is out on. I have had the worst experiences there. I have no interest. It's done for me. The oldest golf course in Portland. Get rid of it as far as I'm concerned. They're like, oh, it's historic. Hey, you want to walk down a street to find the next hole? Get burnt. It's so funny because it's in one of the nicest neighborhoods in the city, too, right by Reed College. In theory, right? You know? <laughs> yes, very true. Question number five, Don. What's the most you've ever paid for a round of golf? A hundred and hundred and something dollars out of pumpkin, whatever okay. pumpkin costs. That's not bad. Not too bad. I, I passed on a free round at Bandon recently. That was pretty Ooh. sick. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was my, yeah, it was a long story. You'll, you'll, you'll get another chance. Question number Probably six. Is. What's your favorite club in the bag? My custom Bucky Co. Taylor Made Don Merkin Calinari Cruises sixty degree 
Wedge. Oh my god, what a title! Of course yeah. it is. Listen to that thing. Do you know? You guys know who Bucky is? Bucky. No, Co. who's Bucky? Bucky. Check him out on Instagram at okay. Bucky Co. He is a tailor-made like putter wizard, oh. and uh, he he made me this custom wizard stick that I can wow. pretty pretty much. I, Inside of eight feet, I'll putt with the wedge. Anything tailor is tailor made, so it goes in the it's go in the hole technology. Tailor made. <laughs> Bucky Co. That's awesome. Uh, already, just so uh, Tyler and Dana are aware, the previous two on turn ten, you're you're getting blown away by Don right now. Question number seven, Don. What's the most important putt you've ever made? Um. Well, when I won the Calamari Gold uh, Gold Jacket in uh, 2020, yep, at Colwood, won in the playoff hole, champion, 69K champion, Calamari Golf, baby. How long was it? Do you remember? Uh, pretty close because I threw it uh, through a dart, and <laughs> they they missed the green, so it was like oh. a it was like a four footer. But it's for the championship. It was the yeah. first win, first win I ever got. So boom, put it up there. Hell yeah. Care. Yeah. Stroke Number eight, fade or draw? I'm a big power, power draw. Yeah, right. No, power fade for your boy. <laughs> uh, I got, it's hard to tell from this angle, but I got a, got this inhibitor down low. Makes me swing kind of around, <laughs> around my body. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, kind of an inside, inside out move. <laughs> Number nine, Don, are breakfast balls ever okay? Uh, when you're with the homies, if you go trunk to tea box and you don't warm up, I allow it. Okay. That's the caveat. I like that. Yeah. I mean, if you go to the range and hit like a bucket of any amount, don't tell me, Oh, I need a breakfast. No, sorry. (laughs) You just wasted 25 good shots at the range. That's why I don't warm up. Okay. I only have so many good swings in this body and I'm not wasting them on a practice swing or at the range. Okay. You're going to get what you're going to get, whatever the shot shape is. That's what I'm playing all day. Not going to fix it on the course. What a beautiful segue to question mm-hmm. number 10. How early should someone arrive to the course before their tea time? Well, it depends. Um, if you're playing with me and the calamari crew, uh, but it is, I think it's predicated on the type of course you're at. And the expectation. I think if you're going to hit balls, you need to be there at least 45 minutes to an hour early so you can get set up and get ready to go. I think if you're going to go trunk to tee box, you're looking at at least 20 minutes so you can get paid and get to the tee box and not hold up the group behind you. Um, but that skating in, getting there right at your tee time, not a fan of that. No, you need to at least – Go to the clubhouse, grab a beer, make sure your shit is right before you go. Hey, the beer, I'm all for drinking beers, but if you're that close to it, just pay and get there and then yep. f- just get it, figure it out. You know, figure you, should it probably, out. you should probably have about six beers stashed in your bag already. <laughs> that is Turn 10 brought to you by Piper Golf. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout. Nick, I'm going to skip Mad Golfer of the Week. That is going to take us into our last component of this episode. We have to close it out with... Nick Rules! Theme song pending, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. Nick, what do you have today? Well, we spent a lot of time talking about the putting surface today. And aeration is part of the game of golf. 
golfers often get onto the green. There's punch marks everywhere. They're infuriated. They, they hit their first putt six feet short. They're blast their next one eight feet past. They pick it up. Automatic three putts on the gri- on the punched greens. You can't can't take more than a three putt. No. Sorry, guys. I hate to break it to you. The bottom line of this rule, rule 13.1, is there is no free relief from aeration. On the green, you may repair damage to the putting green without penalty by taking reasonable actions to restore the putting green as nearly as possible to its original condition by using your hand, foot, other body parts. Damage on the putting green consists of ball marks, shoe damage, old old cups that were cut and replaced, animal or hoof marks, embedded objects, an acorn falls ferociously into the green and embeds itself, you can replace that. Damage to the putting green does not include conditions that result from normal practices for maintaining the overall condition of the putting green, including aeration holes or grooves from vertical mowing or some other stuff, but that's the rule. Deal with the aeration holes. You paid your discounted green fee. You're out there. You're on the green. Joe, as you said, all your buddies are playing the same course. Just deal with it. Figure it out. Could you imagine if someone is trying to fix the holes? I mean, Don, would that drive you insane if someone is trying to actually fix aeration marks? You guys punched three days ago and they're out there trying to clean it up from five feet. Um, It wouldn't actually do anything. So... um, (laughs) Go for it. Waste your fucking time. Um, I, you know, look, I think, you know, like when there's a temp green, when it's like under repair or something, and it's just a big white circle out in the middle of whatever, right? I think when greens are punched within its, like within, you know, a few days of the punt of the aeration, um, maybe treat it that way, you know, like determine it with your buddies. Like we're going to go with a 10 foot ring, boys. And like, or an eight foot, you know, whatever you decide, right? And and eliminate that. And one thing I would recommend, because this has happened to me, maybe use an alternate putter when that's happened when you're when you're playing on a punch green, because mm. the sand will get on your putter, will get on your putter cover, will scratch your putter, will scratch your face, will crack. It will happen, right? Because there's so many more fine particles of sand on the top. Right? It's so grab happen. the backup putter. From the garage, I, basically. I, I think I think it's a healthy move if you have the ability and the opportunity to use a second putter that you don't mind scuffing or damaging with granules of sand that are going to be, get between the face of the club and the ball, guaranteed. No matter how much you clean it, because um, your bat, your takeaway and your follow through is could knock up some pebbles, right? So you're going to it's going to happen. So to preserve your equipment, to preserve your Scotty Cameron, or if you're so lucky to have a putter made by Bucky Co., like I do, then you want to protect it. That's great advice. Yeah. And that is Nick Rules. Don, you've been so generous with your time here today. Is there anything you want to plug? Any social medias? Calamari? Where do you want to point the people? Yeah, uh, just check out Calamari Airlines on Instagram. If you want to follow me, that's uh, Don Merkin at in, on Instagram. And let's see, uh, bids. Yeah, I saw some cup cutting videos uh, on on Don Merkin on Instagram today. They're very fun. Just uh, get lost in that sauce, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, hey, we're gonna go insane out there. It's I put up little videos of like cup cutting, rolling. You'll see videos of me playing golf, but it's a golf centric page. 
uh, Calamari Airlines is a tea company and trying to change the, you know, what's acceptable at golf and making it, you know, fun for everybody to be out there, no matter what you look like or who you are and all that. I mean, love it. That's, that's their deal, but I think it's a fun thing to be a part of. And, uh, yeah. So good. I appreciate you guys doing this. This is sweet. I, I feel good. honored to have done it. On. Yeah. Anytime you guys want to ask any questions about greens, uh, stuff, I'd be happy to answer it. So, and let's get out and play. Nick, where are you at? You're on this side of town? No, other other coast. Well, that's a I'm mistake. The wrong, I'm on the wrong coast. I'm yeah, on the wrong coast, my man. It's like you made a problem. <laughs> okay, so me and Joe are getting Done. out. We're, get, we're going to not play Eastmoreland because it's trash. And I've never played Rose City. Have you ever played Rose City? Okay, everyone dumps on Rose City. I love Rose City. I think it's a fun layout, Don. It's right down the road for me. If you want to play Rose City before the weather turns, let's do it, baby. Okay, I got your number. I'm going to play it. And then, you know, maybe we'll get a little content and let everybody enjoy that. Except for you, Nick, because you're on the wrong coast. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.